You're listening. No. You're listening to the Buns.com Podcast Network. (laughs) (laughs) Buns, buns, buns. Welcome to the Pixels Nink Podcast, episode 280, brought to you by CG Magazine. I'm your host, Lisa Mior, and joining me today are Brendan Fry. Hello there. Bill Brown. Yay. And Jordan Biordi. The one and only. The one and only. The Jordan. The legend. And he's here. (laughs) So how are you guys all doing today? I'm good. Yeah? Yeah, I'm good. You guys enjoying this uh, heat wave that we're having? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, it's like one degree right now. Oh, jeez! I thought it was man. starting tomorrow. It was supposed to be like zero. Well, it's beautiful outside. There's puddles instead of ice I haven't slips. Stepped outside yet. That's a thing, right? An ice slip. You should I go, don't outside. Want to go outside. There's bears outside. Oh, okay. I, I don't How blame far you. in the woods? I mean, not like near me, but just in general, there are bears outside. <laughs> That's a fact. <laughs> It seems like you're being irrational. I mean, there's also bobcats. Exactly. All the more reason. Bears, but they're nowhere near you, so who cares? For sure. That's exactly what bobcats Speaking... want you to think before they maul you. Right. Speaking of vicious prey animals in the wild, Nintendo outsold their competition this month. They just released their fourth quarter financial well, no results. Uh, the so news. they've. I know, great. Wasn't that good? That's, that, mm-hmm. was, that was impressive. That's, yeah. that's why I'm hosting, you see. So they've moved over uh, 1.5 million units, uh, which moves their lifetime sales up to 4.8 in the U.S. and 10 million internationally. And they've outsold the Xbox and PlayStation, Xbox One and PlayStation during uh, the month of December. And Xbox outsold PlayStation. So that's kind of kind of fascinating news. That's really Not surprising, really a big surprise actually. to anybody, though. Well, Really? Well, I mean, Why do you um, feel like that's a surprise? No, the, surpri- the surprise to me is that uh, Xbox outsold PlayStation. I kind of thought that uh, the, the PS4 well, was a much more desirable console than the, the Xbox One. Well, I mean, the Xbox One and the One X, right? Yeah. And then you have the PS4 Pro launch that in 2016? I want to say 2016. Yeah. The, the Pro? Yeah, the Pro. Yeah. So that's kind of getting back there. So, but in terms of like, I can understand why people um, like yeah, general you? exclusivity. Like, I think I would I would argue that PS4 had a lot more like console exclusives, like more incentive to own than uh, the Xbox, mm-hmm. especially when like Gears know. and yeah, Halo are not- both get, like Halo Five and Gears Four. Was it like didn't really get great reviews? Yeah, no, it was fine. I think I reviewed that one. It was okay. I know Halo Five was a bit of a bummer. I wasn't. In, I didn't enjoy my time with it. Yeah, that one. That wasn't. That wasn't great. That was but I mean, it's yeah. Like it's no surprise to anyone. Nintendo is absolutely crushing it. I mean, between the fact that they have a portable hardware service that actually works really well. Oh God. And the fact that all these third parties are porting their games and mm-hmm. there's so much like there's a reason to actually have one i've never i mean not that i have anything against nintendo it's just i, I i've never considered ordering a nintendo console before and i'm just looking at some of the games coming out and i have a reason to get one now which is yeah. kind of in- mm-hmm. interesting i just like oh, yeah. the fact that it is such a diverse console so if you are someone that is at home and you, you have it hooked up to your TV, but you also can say, oh, I want to keep playing this game, but you want to watch a movie, we can do both at the same time. Yeah. 
And it's portable yeah. and uh, it's like thus far able to port over AAA t- uh, titles that are available on other consoles. I mean, I, I a don't a little bit. I don't think it has the full power. Oh, of no, course not. not. But the fact that it can even but the fact yeah. that of course not. But the fact that he can play like Wolfenstein, too, exactly. is a very good sign for the future. The Wii certainly couldn't do anything like <laughs> no. that with its, with its uh, contemporary system. Well, it's, so. it, yeah, it doesn't surprise well, me. It goes back to something, too. I think it was I remember me and Cody were talking about it. It was just like just the fact that this stuff is even like here, like cause I remember when we when when like fallout 4 was coming out and we were both kind of saying like it's a shame because if like if fallout 4 would have been released on the wii u we would have got it on that system like so like to me it's it's a it's such a big deal that like something like dark souls is coming to a nintendo console because it's just like like regardless of like where you want to play dark souls it's just like the fact that i can say i like i'm i'm playing dark souls on a nintendo like that's a big deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As I said, I think Nintendo really priced it well. They they get the tech well. I think they're being a little nickeling and diming with the controllers and a few mm-hmm. other little accessories. But that's Nintendo. Yeah. That's what they do. Um I, I really think this the the developer support has really made the Switch a thing worth investing. Like it could have easily been another Wii U where only Nintendo games made that system worth buying. Yeah, but, that but Nintendo, Ubisoft, EA Everyone has been putting a lot of support behind it, and it's made it a console that even I, someone that does not really play portable games, is looking into. Well, even a lot of mm-hmm. indies too. Like it was like, um, yeah, uh, the indies are great. Uh, what was that? Uh, like like uh, Jim Sterling had like a video about the Switch, and he was saying like apparently a lot of indie developers have been saying that it's actually easier and like better now to bring their games to, to the, like something like the switch than it is to put them on steam because mm-hmm. steam is like such a dumping ground for just bad stuff now. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. the problem I have is that's true, uh, but very quickly it could go the same way where so many people kind of put their things on switch and Nintendo's quality control has never been great. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been better than so at least not in recent sure. years. Uh, so Life of Black it. Tiger isn't on the Switch yet. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it just maybe it was a little. They couldn't quite get the performance they were looking for from that one. Um, but I, I really do think that if Nintendo keeps the quality up and actually brings the good indies over, uh, the fact that it is a a ARM based platform, it's easy to program for. If people know what to program for Android phones, they know what to program for this thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that really makes it a solid investment for a lot of these people because they can take a game they have on android that's like almost working right bring it over to the switch and it works perfectly mm-hmm. and they also have that triple a investment where they can take games that are running really well on a ps4 and scaling it back and getting it working the way you want it on that platform mm-hmm. so yeah i think it's a good investment well mm-hmm. i think the switch is a great uh, console not right only now. and that's coming from me who does not want a portable system in his life well i was gonna say after but VR. but ten zooms. Well, come on. Hey, Zune was great. <laughs> okay, you shut up. The Zune was the best. Was amazing. Everyone knows that. That's why it was in Guardians of the Galaxy. It's it's it breaks my heart. It was so like had Microsoft actually marketed that thing, it could have been a success. Well, if Microsoft marketed it well, rather than the nonsense ads, I don't even did. remember seeing a single ad, and I, and I remember oh, seeing like look up Zune ads. There's some banned ones involving like art and. Oh my poop. god! What did I start I here? I'm so never sorry. I saw an ad for a Zune in like a like an EGM, and it was like it was like a special like Halo Three edition Zune, and that's when I was like, "What? Microsoft has an MP3 Jordan, player?" 
everyone listening to this podcast, go look up Band Zoom ad after this. <laughs> And you will see what Microsoft put its money into. Because I don't remember seeing a single commercial for this thing. And it was great. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Just go just go look that up. Go Everyone. Ahead. Pause right now. Go do <laughs> that. Then come back. <laughs> well now that you're back. You're gonna have to include this link in the description, <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> now that you're all back. Now that you're all back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so speaking well, of Nintendo, that was my guys. that was gonna be my segue, Lisa. Um that was was the, it was that it, was going to be something I was saying. The fight, the amazing things that involved the Zune. Yeah, imagine if they had a cardboard box. Oh, guys. Well, that's well, that's what I was going to say. So hold on, hold on, guys. Okay, so Sony's working on PSVR. Yep. Um, Xbox is trying to add as many teraflops as they can into a system, and Nintendo's playing with cardboard boxes. They're going back to basics. That's how man. cool they are. So, for those of you who have no idea what we're talking about, you need to look up the Nintendo Labo. Or Labo. It's uh, Labo? Labo. Labo. The Nintendo, uh, so, the Nintendo Labo is these prefabricated cardboard box kits yeah. uh, that come with a game, I'm assuming, that can... I don't know. Inter- yeah, they're like little, like, little software press kits. Yeah, where you can kind of program using your switch mm-hmm. so there was like they in the trailer they showed like a keyboard and there's like this gigantic robot box set that you can use mm-hmm. uh and uh i mean they're not cheap the the no. variety pack is like 70 bucks american and the giant robot is 80 bucks american so it's uh i you can customize it with stickers yeah it's a bit pricey for cardboard but like it the thing is I, you know, we, we have just barely seen what it actually does. Yeah. It seems like a very creative idea. And that's what it, I was like, and o- opens up the opportunities for a lot of different, um, like innovative, interactive gameplay modes, mm-hmm. which Nintendo is particularly good at. Mm-hmm. So, like, I completely understand why there was a backlash to it when it came out because you look, it's ridiculous yeah. and it's expensive cardboard, but it's also cardboard that, like, you know, hooks up to your switch and has an interactive video game component. So you're not just paying $80 for the cardboard. Presumably there's some tech involved there as well. I'm assuming that there's going to be some sort of like, uh, like what what are those, uh, like the, the strips of, of computer things. I don't do the tech. Yeah, computer like, strip, <laughs> computer strip stuff. You know, computer we know what you're talking stuff. about. Yeah, you know, know what you're talking, talking about. Yell wire. Yeah. So maybe I don't. Know. So I mean, like, it has uh, the way I look at it. Like, it has the potential to be something interesting because it is innovative. I've never seen anything like it. It also has the pretend, uh, the chance of being garbage. But the beauty of it is, is that if it's garbage, it is cardboard and therefore immediately recyclable. So. You know, at least they, it won't hurt the planet if this thing doesn't well, sell. That's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was kind of, I have to say, I was kind of excited about that piano mm-hmm. that they showed yeah. off, like that they featured the whole, they built the whole thing around. Yeah. I would have liked to see the robot personally. Yeah, yeah. But that piano thing and the fact that it actually worked as a synthesizer. But, but Lisa, could the robot ever compare to Cosmo? No. Because don't talk about my child like that. <laughs> uh, did I show you about the the robot I got to play with this week? I don't think so. Oh, I'm gonna have to introduce you to Cosmo. He's okay. my baby. Very if you haven't already had a chance to go take a look at the video and review that we have of the Cosmo robot, uh, it's uh, the most adorable robot you've ever seen. Like a 
Wally personified. It but anyway, amazing. we can talk about that later in the mm-hmm. review section. Mm-hmm. But uh, back to Nintendo Labo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're all gonna go out and get one. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I'd have to. I'd have to really see like just how inventive this whole thing is because yeah, like. The price tag to me seems like a little bit much. Like I I can't believe that these little like tech demo games are worth and and some car, and some sheets of cardboard are worth 60 to 80 dollars. Like you can you can buy a pretty big cardboard box from Home Depot for like 5 Five dollars, but you're also you're also paying for software, though. Don't forget that. Yeah, yeah and also it's hard, on. and also it's hard to say how many games will be related to it. You know what I mean? Like there could be, you might get one box, you get seven mini games out of. You know what I mean? I feel yeah, like but that's the key I mean, word, the, mini. The, no, but here's oh, the thing: knows? based on a lot of what the uh, press releases were saying, and uh, from like uh, the the videos that they were showing off. Uh, I think the emphasis here is to build uh, a very small programming aspect into it because there is a big push for a parent interactive kind of work with your children kind of thing with well, this. So I'm thinking that there is going to be an educational component to this. Yeah, like in that don't, sense. Don't get me wrong. It's like I um, I was well, I was talking about this last night, and it's, and what I said was um, like I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sold on the product but i'm like completely in love with the concept like and this was what i was kind of what i was going to say um kind of like when we were uh talking about the like nintendo outselling um uh all this other stuff all the competition and like uh, like added reasons as to why the switch is such a is such a like uh innovative console right is because It's stuff like this where like Nintendo has these very like out there ideas and like something like this is is very Nintendo like it's sort of built upon uh, like the idea of like having fun being creative like making something and like that's I I think that's very like indicative to like Nintendo's own like kind of like their like their creation model if anything like Shigeru Miyamoto and like other people have talked about. At Nintendo is true, um, and yeah, like I've already seen a lot of a lot of uh, people like on Twitter and like Reddit who are saying like this will be really cool if people integrate it into like schools and you know for like uh, you know that kind of creative learning aspect to it. It's just like I said, like it's it's some cardboard and what's like I don't know. Is it? Do you think this is worth this? Like the same I, I, it much does, that like Mario I mean, Odyssey was worth like I don't know I, I think the benchmark I, I, the price point I have to see more about what's involved in it before yeah, I can judge exactly. that price point, price point. but I, I like you were saying I totally agree that I think there's absolutely some STEM possibilities with this in yes. terms of like using it as an educational tool um, using it as a, a first steps to programming which is a great push that a lot of companies are working towards which is phenomenal because we need more students involved in this sort of thing Mm -hmm. and it really really does depend uh again on what actually is involved because for example like if that keyboard thing is as good as it looks that's a like trainer piano for 80 dollars yeah which you know cardboard yeah i think still works that's yeah exactly i mean there's (laughs) there's so much potential i think i'm a little bit more excited uh about like the possibility because like like the way that that robot thing kind of looked and the way that the switch is kind of built, like it wouldn't be hard to see Nintendo making some kind of like, like um, Google cardboard esque device and like actually integrating VR into the switch. 
Mm-hmm. And I think like that, like, and they've already like, like they've, they've patented uh, like potential headsets that the switch kind of slots into for VR. So like, who knows how far they're willing to take this thing, but like, I'm excited for the future of it. Like I want to see just how far it goes, because like I said, I love the concept. I love the idea of actually like building these little cardboard creations and then making games out of them. Like this would just be a fun project. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, with, with some of your like younger relatives or like your girlfriend or Mm -hmm. whatever, like why not? Mm-hmm. Tried pitching this yeah. to my girlfriend last night too. I was like, "Wouldn't this be fun? We could just like you know make some cardboard, get some markers out, have a little time." Is this the Lego killer? Is that mm-hmm. what you're saying? I don't think it's the, <laughs> anything's going to be the Lego killer. <laughs> We're never going to see a Nintendo mm-hmm. Labo movie, but you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, well, I mean, time will tell, right? Exactly. We'll see. We'll see what we can do. What what mm. comes of this? Uh, I can't wait to hear more information. Because uh, even like the the site, oh, we do have a release date though. It is coming out in April. Okay, for uh, soon. So it's coming out pretty soon. So the twentieth, right? Yeah, four twenty. Plays it. Yeah. Okay, calm down. <laughs> All right, Jordan. <laughs> Speaking of inappropriate things that go on in the workplace, <laughs> Quantic Dreams <laughs> responded to a some toxic workplace allegations. So, Brendan, did you want to lead us on this one? Because you've been reading a lot. Wait a of minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait, Jordan, have you been working at this company? Oh. <laughs> okay, go on. <laughs> oh, God. Man, come on. I'm, I'm not that bad. <laughs> Not mm-hmm. sexual assault, bad. Come on, take it down. Mm-hmm. Also, kind of racism too. To be fair, yeah, yeah well, that, um, that, that's not Jordan's mo. Jordan's a good guy. We we tease you, Jordan. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for anyone that does not know, um, the people at Quantum Dream, David Cage and producer, um, oh, I'm not going to say that name right. Guillaume Defoe. Guillaume Defoe. Yeah. Okay. Sure. That's. I, I'm going to look it uh, up. Um, you. Oh no. Oh, geez. Uh, Guillaume de Fonda d'Amirier. Yeah. Aren't you um, French? doesn't matter. I can't. That's a hard name. <laughs> um, I've only seen it written. I haven't seen it said. <clears throat> Anyways, well, they were accused of tolerating racist and sexist behavior at the studio. Um, they have now come out and said they do not do this. But there has been numerous reports um, that they have. So right so, now it's kind well, of well. Anyway, it was it started off with a, a reporter who found a cache of six hundred emails, emails with racist and sexist images. And the only reason why they were found out, but brought to the their attention in the first place, because apparently one of the employees identified themselves in it. Yeah. And so now they're separating. You're, you're now they're separating themselves entirely from it. Uh, they're com- calling them ridiculous absurd and grotesque um there's uh, there's actually they are absolutely the allegations fun. not the, the, the allegations, actual yeah. emails yeah okay uh basically just they're saying this is not what they, they this is not who they stand for as a studio uh this is not they do not believe in this stuff but, um, but then how do they justify this that's the thing they're saying that they're absolutely false. Are they saying that the reporter planted this? Are no, I don't. Just, fake news? Are they crying <laughs> fake news? No, they're just they're, they're not going that far. Um, they well, hold on. This is absolutely false. On no evening did any of this happen. This is a quote from uh, De Fondemir. I think I got it that time. You, I think you did. It sounds close. beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, from numerous people I've talked to that are remaining nameless. 
they've heard similar things out of the studio. Like the, the so they've heard similar events happening. Yes, they, right. they've heard the studio is at times a hard place to work at. There are there is some um, problems with the studio. I've heard. I can't, can't say anything more than that. Okay. Uh, but yeah, there have. But been, there there has been difficulty within the workplace. Yes, for at least from people I've talked to. Yeah. Female people or you're not male a people. male people. Male people. Okay. They, they were not in the studio. They're people that have friends at the studio. So that's, it's like a third hand. So I'm not, so I'm not yeah. going to name any names because it could be they, they're jumping on a bandwagon or something like that. So I'm not going to do anything there, but I've heard corroborating evidence that, or corroborating reports that the stuff that, that were in these emails is something that goes on at the studio, that it is a hard place to work if you're a female or if you are a minority. So that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah, I imagine there will be many stories that come out like this I about mean, many video exactly. game companies now that this is becoming more of the a video hot game topic. But interesting enough, this is yeah. I, I mean, uh, to hear. I mean, not interesting enough, but I, I, I mean, instead of th- that, this is it's not just a feminism issue here. They're actually bringing up the Ra- the racial insensitivity and making that a forefront. I mean, even mm-hmm. looking at it this way. Um, Beyond Two Souls, yeah. that that was the Ellen Page, Willem Dafoe game. Uh, within the game, they did have full-on nude models of Ellen Page. Mm-hmm. And they, were, they weren't accessible by the player, but the fact they were on the disc shows that there is some... Yeah, something weird's going yeah, on. That, that's, oh, no, I'm not at all thinking that it, you know where there's racism there's going to be sexism there's going to be homophobia yeah, yeah. that just tends that's, to all go hand in I hand think it's more, i think it's more of they think they can do anything they want because they're art yeah, I think yeah, that's yeah. The biggest problem. Well, that's yeah. like yeah, david yeah. cage's whole mo he even said well, I mean, stuff like that and it was pretty funny because like um i don't think um, any of this is funny but well no, no. it was uh, uh unrelated um like a, a long like while ago when uh mm-hmm. when like jim sterling was like he he made a video kind of like criticizing david cage and like one of the jokes he made was about how like he uh, he constantly references the fact that he knows Ellen Page and he worked with Ellen yeah. Page and, I, and so he can do no wrong because he knows Ellen Page. And David Cage like straight up actually said that during this oh. whole controversy. He was all like, I can't be uh, homophobic. I worked with Ellen Page and look how much work she's doing. Uh, because <laughs> because I have because I have gay friends and black friends. That's always a hundred percent what you said. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I think. Like, it's so weird. <laughs> I think it's. I think they there is um, issues at the studio. I think I don't know if it's necessarily intentional or just ignorant, but they're enough that if this studio or any gaming studio wants to kind of exist in the modern zone, mm-hmm. they have to address this stuff. They have to actually treat all employees equally. Mm-hmm. You can no longer get by. Well, it's a boys' club. Just kind of suck it up. You have to actually treat people with respect. Yeah. Well, that's the problem. Is all these in in a very male dominated industry, mm-hmm. white male dominated industry. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a boys' club for a very long time until yeah. this stuff gets called out mm-hmm. blatantly mm-hmm. and specifically and precisely. Mm-hmm. Well, so, it's been getting called out too. Yeah, so yeah which is like in in other good. in other facets of like media, and it's just like the fire is spreading now. Like yeah. no yeah. one is safe from it anymore. Like you know, if you're pulling stuff like this, you're going to get caught and you're going to get exposed. Yeah. So it's kind of just like get with the times. Mm-hmm. I think, and more and more industries are seeing this call out happening, which yeah. is uh, an it's, important it's thing. It's great. It needs to happen. Yeah, it's great. My only concern is that. Um, 
how much attention is going to go to anything that doesn't involve celebrities. That's my problem. Like, yeah. Like this Quantic Dream story fell away pretty quickly. It really Even did. Even though yeah. this is an entire studio treating people badly rather yeah. than just one person. Yeah, totally. And that's it's not, not, that's not, not the same level of shaming and, yeah. and, and responsibility. Like there's, you know, they did they even release an apology? Uh, most celebrities don't. No, no, no. 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 They, these, Quantum. They, they, no, that they, was their apology. No, they, they, yeah, they yeah, admitted yeah. that oh, they yeah. did no wrong. Right, right, right. My yeah. bad. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, but, right, right. But I mean, yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. But I yeah. mean, and then I, it, it, it remains to be seen how the community is going to react to this because we've yeah. seen similar situations that got out of control in the gaming industry in the mm-hmm. past. Mm-hmm. And it ended up being a very, it, may, it ended up a, a much more difficult situation than it had to be. Well, I mean, even looking at so, um, look at the situation with um, the Rockstar Studio that did Red Dead and all mm. the stuff that came out about that, and how um, I think I heard about that. You didn't hear about that? No. Apparently, they just had like work hours of like twenty three hour days. Oh, okay. Like, massive crunch time. The crunch yeah, yeah. just kind of kept going and going and going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they didn't treat the employees with respect. They kind of pushed them too far. Right. I hear. Yeah, you hear that a lot. Was this the new or older game? The the one that just. The Xbox 360. Yeah, the older one. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, now I'm, I'm, that's what I vaguely recall that now. I mean, I, I kind of assume that stuff happens at all video game companies. It certainly happens at like companies that make CGI movies. The company that did uh, Sausage Party got in a lot of trouble for that a couple I mean, summers the, ago. The too. biggest problem is you, you. I understand crunch has to exist. Like you realize, oh, we have mm-hmm. a deadline, and we're not there yet. We need mm-hmm. people to kind of do this. But to treat it as basically unpaid overtime, mm. that's yeah. unacceptable. For the, these oh, people to, work hard. But mm-hmm. to treat it as like a given. Yeah. I mean, we know that like in the development process and this, I'm sure this happens in movies. This happens in like any yeah. any industry that has to produce a, a source of media. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There is always going to be a crunch. Heck, us writers see it how mm-hmm. many times ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Like then probably not as intensely. Yeah, Obviously yeah. not as intensely. Not pretty yeah, intensely yeah. at times. But yeah. Like it's uh it, it it can be a little bit, but the fact that they're they're treating it as an intensity yeah. like an, an a given sort of thing, mm. and going along with the unpaid and yeah, mm. so I'm I know we're gonna hear more about this because it is so prominent in mm-hmm. this industry. Mm. Like I I know many animator friends and uh, some game developer friends who are like constantly under that crunch time yeah yeah i mean i hope we do my feeling is just that unless it's a title as big as red that we won't exactly and no one will really care and the other and the other thing i'm concerned about is just like as everything happens so quickly now like once it's just going to get just going to be a certain point where these stories are going to disappear like it's already kind of happening like yeah yeah like the you know, next controversy happens yeah, and everyone like, forgets about even if it you just look at like the cele- the like hollywood stuff like when you know it was harvey weinstein and kevin spacey that and was all everyone that was all everyone talked about but then like you know when the, the when it got to the point where there were three a week they disappeared pretty quickly well, like it, the, it was oversaturation yeah and that's and that's the my, my only concern with the issue in general is that like Right now, it's yeah. right now it's a big deal, but at a certain point, you know, when are really... people are going to start caring on the scale they will. People will always care, yeah. but my my concern is that like right like that that sort of stuff right now, everyone pays attention to. At a certain point, it's just going to be the people that are concerned in those issues and are yeah. involved in that industry. And at that point, you know, what sort of repercussions will really happen? That's true. Like, oh, it's it's again like the it's it's the internet 
MO kind of thing. Mm. Like you're, you're very, you know, thoughts and prayers during a disaster. And mm. then like a week later, it's out of your mind, Exactly. even yeah. though people are still going on. So yeah, yeah. it's like, it, it's an unfortunate situation. It so. is, but, we'll but see how it people, aren't gonna, yeah. people aren't going to stop buying these games and they, that's, yeah. they need to start speaking with the wallets, mm-hmm. uh, these movies, these games, etc. They have to start saying, okay, I'm mm-hmm. not, if I hear this stuff, I'm not going to, yeah, fork out the eighty bucks of this game. I'm going to actually. Yeah, well, that's the that's the thing is that like how it will affect games remains to be seen. Like with movies, you know, it's pretty finite. Like when Kevin Spacey became cancerous, yeah. they had to reshoot. Yeah. They had to yeah. cut it. They had to come. The movies either didn't come out or they had to reshoot. Yeah. That all the money, all the money in the world with him in it. When it's like you know, a project manager, yeah, at a video game studio. What's going to yeah. happen? Yeah, you know what I mean. You know, and then and then what about wh- how do we? You know, like if yeah. Mary, if if like Princess Peach gets assaulted, yeah. Yeah. that'll be a big deal. <laughs> that, oh no one will buy it. Assaulted be, in every single game. Be it's, it's, it has been yeah. a big deal. But, but you, no, but again, and uh, because the studio is made up of so many people, yeah. how do we punish the? How do we punish the people that need to be punished, and you know, reward the people that that are still working really hard on all of these. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. like movies have the same totally. thing. Like, yeah, and Kevin, movies too. Kevin Spacey movie, well, they d- it made, he's made toxic, so they have to mm-hmm. kind of push back the release or something like that. There's a large team that made that movie, but because Kevin Spacey's face is in it, they have to cut it out. Mm-hmm. So that, I mean, well, this, that's exactly it. Mm-hmm. So but, it, it's, it's a, it, the entertainment industry is evolving and hopefully it evolves for better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of which, I think that's a good way to move into the entertainment industry. So Phil, tell us all about your movie news. Yay! Yay. Well, good news. No assault stories. This yeah. Week. Yay. There's Yay. games this week. All right. Wait. Oh, no, not just, all right. Just let's move on. Let's move so, on. Yeah. So uh, the first one, uh, which I found very amusing, is that uh, uh, Tom Cruise got interviewed. Uh, sorry, got interviewed. Got, <laughs> got interviewed. Got injured for the second time on the set of Mission Impossible 6, uh, delaying shoot again, um, which like. Maybe he's a stuntman. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Like, I understand, like, why he wants to do that. Obviously, he got a lot of attention for it. Obviously, it is, like, seeing him strapped to the side of a plane or dangling off the side of the business is a big deal. But at the same time, like, this guy's 55. Yeah. You can't become Jackie Chan in your 50s. Even Jackie Chan had a hard time maintaining being Jackie Chan in his 50s. And he had 20 years and several broken backs to, to behind him. So... Um, you just got to wonder at a certain, like I, my feeling is that this will probably be the last time he does this. Yeah. So I hope it's good. I really do. <laughs> Cause the next mix and admission impossible, there's going to be a lot of green screen. <laughs> so, but, uh, but anyway, I just thought it was hilarious. He got injured again. I mean, I, I feel sorry for him, I guess. I, mean, I don't yeah. feel sorry for Tom Cruise. No, I, 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 <laughs> I mean, really don't. Yeah, he's got the power of uh, Scientology not, behind him, yeah. right? Like, yeah, uh, he's, he's not. He'll, only, he'll bounce back. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, he's not only like the most financially successful actor in the world. He also has an entire church at his bidding. So that's true. he's going to be fine. He'll yeah. be fine. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry he like sprained his ankle or whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> next up. Uh, Rich people problems, yeah, right? Boo hoo. Uh, next up. Um, so, uh, ever since Justice League came out, there have been a lot of petitions going around saying they want to see the Zack Snyder director's cut and they need to see the movie as intended. Okay. And the good news is that Warner Brothers has listened. And if you buy the Justice League Blu-ray at Walmart, you's get a deleted scene. Oh. One. One. Walmart One. paying you for this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Only at Walmart. Only, wa- why only, only at Walmart? Walmart. <laughs> it was a deal they struck. 
for one deleted for one scene. Deleted, Single oh. deleted scene, and that's it. That's all you get. <laughs> but that's going to fill in the whole movie, right? Well, that's the thing. I think yeah. it'll be like, it'll explain that there was a uh, bizarre uh, animated animal on Henry Cavill's <laughs> lip. Okay. That, that's why Superman looked that the weird. Super stat. I was I'll hoping that the everything. deleted scene was like every super cut of mm-hmm. like Harry Cav- ha- Henry and, Cavill's um, mustache. mustache just all in one scene. And they would actually sell some discs with that. <laughs> I, yeah. But yeah, or or yeah, if you got like the Justice League mustache cut, oh, yeah. Superman with the mustache. the mustache. Oh, that'd be good. <laughs> that'd be real good. I would he buy that. The dead and he has a mustache. Yeah, I would buy that. But anyway, I just thought that was such a hilarious <laughs> slap in the face. I, I find it hard. I really find it hard to believe that like if there isn't money to be made that they won't do the original director's cut. The only problem is that this isn't like Blade Runner yeah. where the cost of producing a director's cut is getting Ridley Scott in an editing yeah. room and finding the original footage. It's actually making it all work. It's well, yeah, because it's all. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, they probably can put together like uh, a Zack Snyder's initial cut yeah. and then spend another like 50 million dollars yeah. to finish it. And they're not going to sell $50 million worth no. of Justice League Blu-rays, <laughs> no matter how many petitions go around. So, no, they're not. But anyway, the good news is the people that thought they were robbed of a glorious Justice League movie get that scene to fill in all the gaps. Next up. Um, uh, John you could have fought like five scenes, like honestly. Ah, so silly. Um, uh, John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein, who are a writing slash directing team, they uh, were... Uh, they wrote the Spider-Man Homecoming mm-hmm. um, and directed uh, uh, the Vacation remake. Okay. Uh, John Francis Daly is the kid from Freaks and Geeks, the okay, main yeah. character. Um, he now does this now. He wrote Spider-Man. Um, sure. They've signed on to direct The Flash. Um, I believe they're the fourth people that have signed on to direct The Flash so far. So what Flash story is this taking on? Um, I believe it's supposed to be Flashpoint. So the one where he goes yeah, back because they want to retcon the whole DC exactly, universe. Yeah. Don't they? It's like they can with one move. In theory, if they do Flashpoint right with one movie, they can change. They can recast and retone the entire. But is DC the point of Flashpoint paradox that it all goes back to the exact point it started from? Uh, yeah, eventually, yes. yeah. But I mean, but once you do it, you set up like it could be like Flash goes into this alternate reality and he's like, oh my god, all the characters are good. And then like you go back and we, we fix it. <laughs> and the rest will take place in the universe where all the characters are good. <laughs> As entire, it's possible. Or it'd be like, I made, I made one change and now everyone's different. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, my feeling is just though, like, you know, how long are these guys signed on to direct Flash? But also, Those how's it going to work? Yeah. I mean, like, Wow, Batman, you're slightly different. Yeah, yeah. Superman, why do you look slightly different? My guess is, like, the initial concept was to use Flashpoint to create the idea of Elseworlds. Okay. So you could create... Because, like, the Flashpoint storyline had uh, a Batman who's... Was Bruce uh, Wayne's dad. Yeah, it was... It was. It was. Yeah, it was... Bruce Wayne was the one that got shot. Uh, Wayne, uh, and in response to that Thomas. death, Bruce Wayne's death, Thomas Wayne... Uh, in response to Bruce Wayne's death... Thomas Wayne became Batman and, uh, and Martha, and Martha Wayne became the Joker, yeah. which is a great storyline. Yeah. So like, oh, amazing. yeah, it's great. So the, the idea would be to, the initial idea would be able to have a movie with these mm-hmm. Elseworld concepts. And then if that was popular, they could make spinoff Elseworld yeah. movies. Now, my guess is that they're just trying to come up with a way that like the flash porch paradox just destroys the entire DC universe with the exception of wonder woman. Somehow she's and smart. then, yeah, she makes it through. Yeah, no, and, uh, and then they start from scratch there. But again, I don't think it's going to happen. This is, yeah, they like, so many people have gone through this movie now that I, I doubt it. Speaking of which, uh, Gore Verbinski uh, quit Gambit. 
So that's four directors on that one as well. Can we just say that movie's dead now? I don't know. Yeah, it's never going to happen. Oh, it's going to happen. It's going to be like uh, the Dark Tower movie where yeah. after like 10 years of development, it comes out like, oh, yeah, yeah. that happened. Yeah, I I find it hard to believe that they won't do Gambit eventually. He's just too popular. And Is he still? Yeah, yeah. totally. Uh, sure. Totally. Like I Don't I, tell me you never had a crush on Gambit. I don't. Like, I don't that's unfathomable. Yeah, I don't understand. Gambit's probably my favorite yeah. X-Men, but I I don't think he's like he that. Cards from yeah. the people. That's the thing. It doesn't surprise me. Like if if people like just He's not Wolverine. If people spend all day lighting a torch to the 90s like Jordan, yeah. then yes, Gambit yeah. is your favorite X-Men. <laughs> but if you care about Hey, like, I liked him. Who threw cards? Yeah, I know. He was the 90s 90s thing there is, except for Cable. Um, so, and Deadpool, yeah. Um so I I understand where you're coming from, but if you care about like, you know, who the character is, why they're important, why you're supposed to care about them. These little issues yeah. that, that, you know, would build a movie around. That's a problem. Yeah. But that being said, I'm sure a big reason why Deadpool has always been in discussion. Is, sorry, Deadpool. Gambit <laughs> has always been in discussion is based on merchandise. Yeah. And I'm sure Gambit's still selling they merchandise. Decks of car- the girls marketing deck of card things. Oh, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so easy. So, so easy. People so, trying to throw cards into walls. It's yeah, yeah. amazing. Anyway, that got deleted. Now, and this one, and the other thing that's worth keeping in mind is this time it may have gone down because uh, Disney's technically in charge yeah. of the, We don't know exactly know how that division of labor works now. Yeah. So who knows? But anyway, uh, there's another director on the Flash movie. Another director left Gambit. I'm sure next week we'll have the same thing but reversed. Yeah. So look cool. forward to that. Um, next up... Uh, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio signed on to star in Quentin Tarantino's uh, Charlie Manson movie. That's not really about Charlie Manson, but is about Charlie Manson. Um, I'm, it's not said who he is. I doubt Charlie Manson because I'm certain no matter what, Charlie Manson's not the main character. It's supposed to be set in 60s Hollywood and be about sort of the yeah. change of that industry slash the change of culture <laughs> with Charlie Manson being the sort of nightmare boogeyman like he was in real life. Of the uh, you know hippie cultural revolutions of the '60s, so Leonardo DiCaprio—it's it's apparently based about an out of work actor sort of struggling to okay. deal with the the changing tide in Hollywood slash culture. So I'm assuming Leonardo DiCaprio will play that. So it's gonna—I don't know how he's gonna play an out of work actor. He'll have to work really hard on that. Well, I guess he's best friends with Tobey Maguire. So they <laughs> um, but and Ooh, then, zing. well, what are you gonna do? He's a dink, and um, <laughs> and also. Uh, He's there's still Tarantino's still in discussion with Tom Cruise, which I'm assuming that's Charlie Manson. Sure. Oh my God, he'd be perfect. He's already he's already manic as hell. Well, yeah, he can play play. Could could Tom Cruise play a cult leader? Hmm, let's think. <laughs> um, but but uh, but would his cult let him play that cult leader? Oh, well, that's, that's the, the real question. That's yeah, the question. that's the real question. Could um, he do all his own stunts though? No, that's the that's real true. question. That's true. Um, but apparently, also uh, Tarantino is talking to Al Pacino, which. I'm all for it because Al Pacino hasn't actually acted in a very long time. He's kind that of is. He doesn't yeah. get pews in movies. Yeah, yeah. He just kind of does his thing. But he's still like he was one of the greatest of all time. Yeah. And given and Tarantino's really good at giving roles to people who haven't been able to show what they do in a long time. Yeah. yeah. I, I that makes me very excited. Yeah, I'm very into that. Plus, I was not interested in this movie until you mentioned that. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Plus, like with it being 
the subject matter, presumably Al Pacino would be like some sort of old folky, old Hollywood who doesn't yeah. get what the kids are all about. Yeah. Which he could play that really well. Uh-huh. I don't know. I'm very that, into that. I think that is him right now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I'm great. Very, yeah, and, then, really and there'd be the weird irony where like he'd be playing someone who didn't get what the new Hollywood's mm. about when he was one of the founding members of, you yeah. know what I mean? Like there's a lot going on there. So I hope that happens. So that's that. Uh, next up. Um, we'll make this the wrap up one because we're good on news and the other ones I'm looking at aren't as good. So this is the last news story. Okay. And that is that um, the uh, the the John Wick TV series is moving forward. Stars yeah. has picked it up. It's definitely happening. Gary Weaves in it. That's what I was. That's where we're getting at. Oh, yep, he's attached. He is going to be involved. They won't say how much. He's not going to be the main character. Apparently, the concept of the series, which I like, is that it'll be set in the Continental. Oh, yeah, and a lot, and be sort of like just set in the John Wick world and be about the John Wick world, and then that would allow John Wick to sort of so every once in a while he just walks in and out. Exactly, yeah. Depending, like, who knows what the timeline is? Like, they could even like, depending on what the concept is for the third movie, he could be in part of it and relation to like sort of overlapping yep. with where the story is going in the third movie mm-hmm. but anyway that's moving forward the uh director of john wick is going to direct the pilot the showrunner is not the guy who wrote the movie so i'm okay. a little concerned about that but at the same time i think it's i think there's potential here yeah. um yeah. my main concern with it is just my main concern of all television based on action concept which is just the time constraints do not allow for like there, there could basically be one john wick action sequence yeah. an episode if yeah. that and as much as i love the like weird and strange deadpan comedy of that world yeah. i don't know how many weeks i can actually watch people i mean my like, own... especially since the whole thing is about shorthand and you not knowing what's going yeah. on like how long can they keep that act up eventually yeah. they're gonna have to explain some stuff and the match is gonna go away but regardless i'm into this i like the john wick as an expanding property yeah. And uh, yeah, we'll see where it I goes. I still hope they don't kill it. That's all, that's the only thing I'm worried about. Like, what? expand it too much that exactly as you're pointing yeah. out, it'll ruin the magic. Yeah. I'm, I'm concerned about that part. I hear you. But my feeling with that is that we're going to get John Wick 3. Yeah. yeah. That will be the conclusion of the John Wick trilogy. Yeah. So that'll be its own thing. And then if the Continental's good, great. If not, I'll just pretend it doesn't exist. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. That's a very fair statement. For sure. I mean, like, yeah. for sure. look at it like um, that Limitless TV show. Yeah. Where I don't even happens. know. Yeah, I don't yeah. even know how they thought they could make a TV show out of it. That movie was enough of what it needed to be. It was barely, that movie barely even qualified <laughs> as that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, how. Uh, more importantly, they had, like, um, uh, who's the main character of Limitless? Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper, yeah. He was in, yeah. like, 10 he, seconds of an episode. Oh, was it? Yeah. He was. I don't even know. He's like, yeah. here's it was a video. the first episode, right? No, yeah. in every episode, he kind of made an appearance by like a video file. He sent someone like, oh, don't sense. tell anyone about yeah, these yeah, drugs. Yeah, yeah. You're like, okay, okay, that's dumb. So silly. But then, um, what was I saying? I, I'm worried that they're going to do the same thing with this con- uh, the Continental or yeah. Intercontinental movie or yeah. show where you have every once in a while, like, do you know John Wick? And they mention it, then he appears for like 10 seconds of it yeah, and yeah. walks away. like, I, I kind of want to watch what he's. I want to watch what John Wick's doing. I don't care about you guys. I mean, for sure, that could definitely be an issue. But at the same time, like the way the universe is established, like yes, John Wick is like a legend in the yeah. universe, but he's not the whole kit and caboodle. No, you fair. know what I mean? So yeah, there's enough characters I'd actually want to explore. Yeah, they for gonna, sure, and they and could invent new ones too. Yeah. So I, hope, I, know, I kind of want them to have Ian McShay in there. If they do that, I'm well, good. that's the thing. Like if it's if it's actually the show is actually Continental and it actually has Ian McShane and he is the star yeah, of the show, I'd be down with that. Then I'm yeah. very much on board. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, once he's done with Deadwood, he's still working the Dead Deadwood movie. No, Deadwood. That's it's very unclear what's going on with that. That I actually was just reading about that today, and where it is now is that I guess uh, David Milch is rewriting the script. Okay, and everyone wants to do it. The problem is just purely scheduling. Oh, because it's because it's, ca- it's, it's, the cast know it's so vast. Huge. Yeah, and there's so and they ha- and like yes, you can drop like I don't think anyone cares if Brian Cox's traveling theater troop makes a return. No, okay, no, that, that's not a big deal. But everyone else, like you, do, there are you so many key people want, for so. sure, and so many of them have their own shows now. Like Ian McShane, it, it, he was on American Gods. Yeah. Um, which I guess is canceled. So. No, it's not. Oh, I thought it wasn't. Which one? No. One of the Neil Gaiman no. ones got canceled. Neil which one Gaiman, was it? American Gods isn't canceled. Yeah, it's just they lost the showrunner. Oh, that's right. So now, um, that's Jillian right. Anderson and um, the person that played um, I forget who it was, but another woman left the left the project. That's like, right. We don't that's want to be right. part of it anymore. And it's apparently purely down to budgetary yeah. restraints, which doesn't surprise me. <laughs> yeah. Was that a Hulu series? Uh, Amazon, I think. It was Amazon? Amazon. Okay. Yeah, I believe. So that makes sense. But anyway, okay. Well, I mean, so theoretically, if that comes back, there's Ian McShane plus like maybe the Continental series. Yeah. So like, you know, and you can't do Deadpool without a uh, Deadpool. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. You Deadwood. can't do Deadwood yeah. without him. No, of course. So it's sort of still up in the air. It's been up in the air for what, 10 years yeah, now or something like that. Uh, I, I desperately hope that'll happen. I, I liked it. A lot of people time. do, but yeah, it was a fantastic show, um, and it certainly is one that deserves to at least have something to close it. Yeah, because it, it didn't end at all. It didn't. No, and that was a problem. So I, I, I hope, would, I would accept a single one-hour movie, yeah. one-hour like HBO special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if they're like, he's over there. Cutscene. Yeah. Now you talk to this guy for sure. I'd be cool with that. Just and, find a way to end it. And I'm sure a big part of the reason, like the reason Dead Dead. Oof, almost did Deadwood. It almost Deadwood. did it again. The reason Deadwood got canceled the first place was budgetary. It, was, it um, must have been an expensive Yeah, show. for sure, especially for the time. Okay. And uh, the, I, I'd imagine the reason Deadwood's coming back is because because of Westworld, HBO now has a Western set again. We can do this. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I feel like there's a window now yeah. where they could do it. And then if uh, as soon as Westworld's done and it they, makes it harder. they can those sets again, then that will be the end of the Deadwood reading fantasy anyway that's it for movie news yeah cool yeah, yeah. Let's take a quick break well yeah it's time for a break we can hear from our sponsors and we'll be right back the pixels and ink podcast is brought to you by buns your city network buns connects you to the people in your neighborhood to help you find the things you need to fuel your real life swap things you already have to get items you need you can also find jobs that pay the bills homes for rent advice and a place to talk about your city Buns is available online at buns.com and on your phones via the Apple App Store and Google Play Store. Man, I wish I could get new comics every month, but I'm broke and oddly always $5 short. Lame. Wait, five bucks short, you say? Well, I've got something special for you. What the hell was that? It's me, the discount ghost of Coupons Pass. Are you scared? What the f- Use the code CGMEG in all caps, all one word, to get $5 off your next Comic Bento subscription. So wait, if I use the code CGMEG, all in caps, all one word, I get $5 off my next Comic Bento? Yes, use the code CGMEG in all caps, all one word, and get $5 off your next Comic Bento. A whole $5, eh? Now that's scary. Ooh. Mm-hmm. 
Thanks, Buns Podcast Network and Comic Bento. All right, guys. So Phil saw movies this week. I did. You saw a movie this week? I did for He's, a change. Yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't believe yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it wasn't very good if okay. that helps. Okay, I mean, so, it makes me feel yeah, a little better. Yeah, yeah, I feel yeah. a little so, more. So are we, which one are we starting with? Are we going to start I'm going to do 12, 12 Strong since that's this week's movie. Okay, let's uh, do 12 yeah. Strong. So it's unfortunate. So basically, <laughs> my... my uh, I've noticed over the last few years that ever since American Sniper made a fortune, yeah, um, there have there's been a new like subgenre of uh, military propaganda movies that tend to come out in January. Yep. I'm assuming that after American Sniper, there was a big uptick in enrollment mm-hmm. in the military, and the military was like, "This is great." How about yeah. we, we give you some money to help make this happen more? It just feels like that's what's happening because there was Lone Survivor a couple of years ago with Mark Wahlberg. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was the Benghazi movie that Michael Bay did a couple oh, years ago. that was ago. the thing. Yeah. And I'm sure there are other ones I'm forgetting um, because they are so unmemorable. And they it is just blatant propaganda. And I'm positive that it's related to that but anyway the new one is 12 strong and it's based on a true story about the first uh major military operation in afghanistan after september 11th and it stars uh thor general zod and ant-man's best friend all right uh, all non-americans uh no michael shannon's american is he american yeah he's american i thought he was australian nope okay no he's american so there's the one american um and (laughs) uh And ba- it's so basically it's about, yeah, this this group that were like super sweet. Uh, there was a super su- sweet squad that like crushed all the training exercises and were beloved, but they never actually got into combat. And they go to Afghanistan and they petition to be the pe- people sent on the first mission. And the argument they give is that no one has ever done anything like this before. So you may as well send us because any military experience won't be relevant in this. And they were like, good point. You guys can go. <laughs> so they go and they meet up with an Afghan. Uh, general who's who has a, a faction with him to fight against the Taliban. Unfortunately, his faction is entirely untrained. A lot of them are children, and they all ride on horseback. So they have to go. They have to do that to fight a uh, Afghan a, a Taliban warlord who has tanks and rocket launchers. Okay. And uh, they pulled it off. Yay. Right. So you mean they didn't fail? No, no, no. It was uh, at the time classified. It has since not been classified. There's actually a statue of a, a Desert Storm soldier on horseback at uh, Ground Zero now okay. uh, commemorating it. Okay. So it's actually a pretty cool story and would be worth doing a movie. Unfortunately, this is not that movie. Um, <laughs> this was produced by Jerry, was produced by Jerry Brockheimer who's known for his boom, boom explosion movies like Con Air and The Rock and the yeah. Beverly Hills Cop so, movies. So taking Aww. a very uh, fine scalpel to this. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So like the so the action scenes are good, um, but it's just tasteless that they oh. are as good as they are because all the explosions are too big. Everything's shot in a million different angles. It's all rapid fire editing and super exciting, but it just feels deeply inappropriate for the material to have <laughs> action that exciting. Um, it is a mild improvement on the other uh propaganda movies and that um, by virtue of the fact that they team up with a faction of Afghan freedom fighters, there are a couple of brown people in the movie who get to speak lines and are nice, Gasp. which is a huge improvement on wow. these. A huge, huge improvement. Now, granted... Well, that's it. Racism and salt. Well, well that, now that being Obviously. said... The um, the one who does talk mostly talks about how important it is to be a warrior and not a soldier and ultimately learns that every decision he wants to make is incorrect and the ones the Americans want to make are, in fact, correct. Oh, so God. it's a little, you know, oh, not God. great in that department. Ooh. The other thing is that 
given that this is a true story, um, the characters are remarkably cardboard, um, even by the standard of these movies. And like like uh, Chris Hemsworth, who like just a few months ago in the new Thor movie proved like how charismatic mm-hmm. and entertaining he could be mm-hmm. is like has none of that here. He's basically just wandering and brooding and posturing and also has his worst American accent by far. Michael Shannon, who I think might be the like best actor alive right now even he seems disinterested the only guy who like manages to communicate any of his personality or charm at all is michael pena and he disappears for most of the movie so he's barely a factor and then at the end they show a photograph of the actual soldiers and it's so comical how much they do not look like michael (laughs) like chris hemsworth and and super rad cut movie stars that it just kind of really takes the wind out of everything. And yeah, it's, it's, it's not very good. Um, the only thing good about it are the action scenes. And like I said, that's kind of tasteless in context. Yeah. And yeah, what disappoints me the most about it is that it will do well. Ultimately, these movies always do. And I just feel like this strain of propagandistic military action movies, we're going to look back at comically in a few years, much like we look back at the old World War II, yeah, John yeah. Wayne, mm-hmm. uh, kill all the, uh, the all the insert racist Asian slang word here yeah. movies. Um, so, yeah, I implore you not to see that. Um, I will, as, uh, I, I do have, uh, two alternate suggestions that are worth saying first, the first up is we, we missed last week cause we were doing, I believe last week are their best movies of the yep. year. Podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So we didn't talk about New Year's last week and that is the new, uh, Liam Neeson action movie, The Commuter. I thought he said he was um, done from action. What, what happened to that? Yeah. Well, someone had someone some money. Someone backed a so. dump truck full of money up to his house. Yeah. So he did it again. So this one is directed by uh, Wam Colette Sarah, who uh, did Nonstop, the movie where he, where uh, Liam Neeson was on a plane and discovered that someone had hidden a bomb in a briefcase full of cocaine. Yeah, yeah. Which was amazing. A classic. Yeah, a amazing. Cinematic classic. And uh, he also did um, <clears throat> The Shallows, the movie where Blake Lively fought the shark for a whole movie. Oh, that was... I, movie. Oh yeah, they, he has an amazing uh, sense of like cartoonish camp. He may he does genre movies that are very winky winky and very silly and also incredibly well made. And uh, the commuter really feels like a throwback to like the old uh, high concept '90s action movies. It's about uh, Liam Neeson as an ex cop who has been working in an insurance bureau for the last 10 years to support his family and commutes in and out of New York every year. So he's year. playing a brand new character. I know, right? Yeah. Um, and the, Does the best any one of his daughters get kidnapped is the question. No, not this time. Uh, <laughs> Sons? They got wives. They knew <laughs> None of that. None of that. None of that. But uh, yeah, the best thing of the movie is actually the, the opening. The opening credits, they... Uh, it's a really, really amazing montage where they condense a whole year of commuting into like three minutes through like jump cuts where like, you know, it, it's him going through the motions, but everything around him's changing constantly. So you can see everything. It, it's very, very well done. That's cool. And then after that, he gets fired from his job and is taking the train home and a mysterious woman appears before him and offers him $100,000 to track to use his old detective skills to track someone down on the train who he does not know the face or name of uh, who is a stranger and plan a tracking device on them. Obviously, all is not what it seems. And uh, essentially, it's it's either depending on how you look at it, a the like better version of Speed 2 that would have mm-hmm. been a good Speed 2 sequel. The boat one? Uh, Boats, come on. B with a very, very quick rewrite. It could have been nonstop too, just on rails this time. 
or C, it's it's a it's kind of like a remake of Die Hard with a Vengeance, where I, I thought it had one of the uh, had one of the great action movie structures, where after you finish an action scene, the villain calls you and outlines the next action scene, and then you just go do it. <laughs> and this is very similar to that, where every time he screws something up, that he gets called and threatened and has a new set of tasks to do. And yeah, it's very very uh, silly and tense and well done and goofy. And if you enjoy um, the if you enjoy cheesy Liam Neeson movies, they're aware they're cheesy. Uh, this is a really, really fun one. And uh, yeah, I liked it a lot. It was a good throwback to anyone who likes, say, the movies that John Jerry Bruckheimer used mm. to produce before he started doing propaganda movies and Pirates of the Caribbean sequels. So that's a good time. And well, then the other one I'll very, very briefly mention is a documentary that's uh, playing in Toronto this weekend called The Road Movie. Okay. And it is a compilation of dashboard cam footage from highways in Russia. Oh, weird. Which apparently it's a phenomenon in Russian that people just have yeah, dashboard it's, it's cameras. Yeah, it's a really big thing. Yeah, you, a really big thing. Have you seen any? Yeah, yeah totally, they're, yeah. They're bizarre. So it's all stuff like that you've seen. In fact, even the credits, they like go through some of the big videos and say how many times they've been viewed on YouTube and stuff like that. Yeah. They're crazy montages. Everything from like people seeing a comet or people seeing lightning strike to like someone seeing a woman using her lighter to see how full her gas meter is. Oh and you can God. assume what happens after yes. that. Uh, there's like a, a road rage incident where a guy gets out of his car and starts firing a gun at the other camera, at, at the person on the camera. There's a bit where a woman's driving and just a insane man leaps on her hood and starts bashing his head against the windshield to break through while she's driving at top speed trying to knock him off with the car. <laughs> God. There's a bit where um, there's a, a, a bit that had, that I'd seen before that had gone viral, this crazy head-on collision between trucks where a guy in one truck gets knocked out the windshield and lands on his feet, but the, the entire truck's <laughs> destroyed. Like, he should have died, but yeah. just through this weird freak didn't... circumstance. So it's just all things like that. Sometimes they're, like, edited into montage. There's one, like, sort of wacky montage with sort of the Russian equivalent of Benny Hill music with a bunch of car crashes. <laughs> Sometimes they're just played very cold and straight. There's no context whatsoever. There's so no voiceover. It's just, it's just, it's just footage of this. After sequence just after sequence. One after another weird, crazy dashboard cam footage. It's, it's only 67 minutes, so it doesn't really wear out time. What it means is entirely up to you. It could be like some big cynical message on how close we are to disaster at all times mm -hmm. in this horrible world. It could be like uh, YouTube sort of, on an auto playlist. Yeah, it could be an <laughs> auto play YouTube list. It could be like um, you know, like a big cinematic statement about how like sort of the one thing that movies can do better than any other medium are car chases and mm -hmm. car trashes. Okay. So it could be some sort of self-conscious thing there. It could be a comedy. It could be a tragedy. It could be whatever you want, but it is like undeniably compelling. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's, you just can't tear your eyes off it. And um, I, yeah, I, I really, really recommend it if you just want to see some crazy found footage. Um, I, yeah, I, it, it, considering the fact that it was as simple as I described, it's just dash cam footage. I was amazed how gripped I was for the entire time. Um, I don't know how they found all that stuff, but I'm glad they did. And yeah, uh, yeah if you want to like see a trailer, just like search Russian dash cam on YouTube and watch the first three clips. And yeah. If they're, <laughs> if, 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 yeah. If they're not in the movie, there's something crazier than those in there. So yeah. <laughs> that was a good time. Wow. And that's that. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. Uh, mm. That was a lot to take in mm. on that that yeah. dash cam movie. I'm just a little bit 
Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. It's really good. Like I knew when I read the concept, I was like, well, that's I can't miss that. Yeah. <laughs> but like actually watching it was even more weird and surreal than I expected. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's it's hard to actually get that across without <laughs> actually seeing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you've seen a couple of them, so you know what you're getting yourself into. Well, exactly. Which helps. But yeah. I don't know. I, I don't understand why I would not just watch a YouTube playlist, but you're like, yeah. so the curation of the whole thing. It's the curation of it. it. Yeah. yeah. Like it, it really like it is. Yeah. Like, you know, you could go through them on YouTube and end up with a bunch of bummers or get yeah. bored. But this yeah. is actually like an hour of like quite literally hit, a, hit after hit. Yeah. yeah. YouTube um, gold. Yeah, yeah. Dash cam gold. For sure. Yeah. And uh, it's just, yeah, it's so strange um, and unique and uh, really, really good. If you like senseless destruction. That's crazy. Well, yeah. I'm sure we all know. Yeah. Who that. doesn't? Yeah. All right. So that's movies. Uh, now we're going to get on to some games. So, Jordan, you played a new Kirby game. Yes. That can I be talked did. about. So, tell us about your game. We could talk about it. We put it up on the site briefly. No, well, it goes up. Yeah, this goes up. Well, tomorrow. it goes up. See, the, the it's going up today. Yeah, Jordan, we live in the future now. Yeah. And talk about it. We're in, yeah. we're in the future now. It took me a second to remember what we were talking about. <laughs> Um, but anyway, so tell us about your game. Yeah, so I played uh, Kirby, Kirby so, Battle Royale, and yeah. I tried really hard in that review to think of uh, like a gladiator reference. That's what my byline was, because like the whole thing okay. is like is supposed to be some sort of like Colosseum style thing, like story wise. And the whole time I couldn't help but thinking, like, "Are you not entertained?" And I'm just like, "No." <laughs> it was a real <laughs> okay. Bummer. Um. Like, so what made it a bummer? Like, because basically the whole thing is like a small collection of little mini games with like this sort of central theme um, about like like combat and using like like a handful of Kirby powers to like fight other people to uh, sort of help you achieve your goals. Like some of the some of the mini games are kind of combat focused, but. Out of the 10 mini games, I think like four of them require you to like pick up a thing and put it somewhere. Like, okay. Like one, that sounds really bad. Yeah, was like, there's one where you got to like shake down a tree for apples and you throw it in your little area. And sometimes the level gets different. So there's like obstacles and stuff. There's one where you have a little spaceship and you have to collect fuel for it, but you can like knock the fuel out of other people or their ships. There's another one where there's a train going by and you have to collect these ores and throw them into the train, which I kind of liked, but it's just, it's another variation on the same game. Um, And that's what I mean. Like, it's just like, it's like, I couldn't help but feel like if these were part of a bigger Kirby game, like the way you get a lot of mini games in uh, like Kirby 64 or even like Kirby superstar that had a couple like multiplayer focused mini games, like, that would be acceptable. Like even if like okay. like four of these games were in like an actual main Kirby game as like a little side uh, multiplayer thing, then fine. But as like a $50 fully fledged boxed game, like there's just nothing really to it. Like even if this was like a little mm-hmm. download thing, like that uh, Kirby Fighters thing was, you know, then fine, but it's just like, yeah, like there just there wasn't a lot of meat to it. And I can't see anyone playing this game and not getting bored of it after like five minutes. And like 
I didn't really get to dip into the multiplayer waters just because like I don't have four friends who own 3DSs and the online wasn't working because it's a review thing. But I even then, like even imagining that game with other people, like I would a hundred percent be bored of it in five minutes. Mm-hmm. And it just it makes me worry that like what are well oh, go ahead. no no please well I was gonna ask like so in, in multiplayer I'm assuming it's there's a battle royale no it's it, well it's like it's sort of the same thing you just sort of compete in these little games and then whoever wins so it's there's no fighting well there is there is a mode where it's like just fighting. Like you just, you're, you're, it's four people in a, in a, in a ring and you have to fight it out. But even then it's not even that fun because like you, you only really get out of like the, you know, I don't want to, probably not hundreds, but there are a lot of Kirby abilities and they only use like maybe 10 of them. And it's a lot of the main ones and like some of the ones from the new Kirby game. So like there's like the doctor and, uh, um, yeah the wind one which is okay uh like you know there's sword there's ninja um fire i think showed up bomb was there so yeah but it's like they're so pared down from what they're like what they actually are in the main kirby games like you really only get like one or two attacks with all of these things and it's kind of just like again it's even the combat's a bit of a bummer because you don't have like you have these this this these array of, of abilities and anyone who's familiar with Kirby knows that there's like, there's, you know, not like a ton of depth, but there is a bit of depth and some complexity to these, to these abilities. And it's just, it's all of, it's just cut out and it's like single button combat. And the combat okay. itself isn't really like, there's, there's really no strategy to it. It's just sort of get up and, and try and hit people and try not to get hit. And there's like, just, you know, movement is fairly limited like it's i don't know it was a real bummer and my worry yeah is that's a sh- after kind of seeing this and then like after seeing um like the mario party thing like i'm get i'm i'm just worried that like the 3ds is becoming this dumping ground for like shallow multiplayer games like i don't know is the switch uh- like nintendo's new portable thing and they're just kind of throwing whatever at the wall and seeing what sticks on the on the 3ds i don't know i I mean i understand like a lot a lot was put into the switch and this is definitely their new mobile platform Mm -hmm. however uh like according to that same report that came out of nintendo earlier that we talked about at the beginning uh, apparently it did really really well Mm -hmm. uh it's still like a very relevant thing and they're still pumping things into it but i i think i think what they're doing is they're because they they want to put so much more focus on the switch mm-hmm. right now it is the newest console that that makes it would make a lot more sense to have like their more mainline like big draws on the switch as opposed to the 3ds because yeah, my guess is they have all the a teams on the switch right yeah, now. yeah. that doesn't mean that there won't still be good 3ds games but yeah. i think part of the reason the 3ds got so good is that the Wii U bottomed out so quickly that they yeah. put the A teams back on the 3DS. And yeah, now they got this new this new toy that they want everyone to play. So yeah, yeah. so <laughs> and I don't think I think if it if it does happen that for the time being that we're not going to get the best uh, releases on 3DS, uh, I don't think that would be a very long lasting issue because i mean one of the big draws from the 3ds is we do get a lot of the japanese uh rpg ports coming straight through that because i mean we're not we're getting a few through vita 
But because 3DS is a much better seller, we're getting more companies coming through that. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's going to end up on the Switch. Yeah. But well, we I'm not a lot, of, uh, a lot of RPG like stuff on the Switch. I don't think it's like not going to happen. Probably just not as quickly. No, but I think the bigger draws, like the the more, not the bigger draws, but the more obscure titles that mm-hmm. that particular niche of fandom is is craving is going to be coming on the 3DS. And I don't think it's going to, like, I don't think it's going to lose that kind of momentum, at least. I just think that some of the main Nintendo draws are going to end up on Switch much more recognizably because, obviously, it's, as we said, mm-hmm. it's their big, it's their it's their new toy yeah. and they mm-hmm. want to play with it. And it's, mm-hmm. and it's like, it's their, it's their, uh, it's their like new portable thing, right? And that was always my worry mm-hmm. that the that the Switch like the was gonna like or the the 3DS was gonna have to compete with the the Switch. But like, it, I don't know. I, I, at the very least, I can say that this thing had the foresight to have online multiplayer because that was something I didn't fully understand with the last 3DS game I reviewed, which was Mario Party, and like mm-hmm. you know. Again, this sort of seems like the kind of small thing that you could just put on the Switch. Like, it comes with two yeah. controllers built into it. Like, uh-huh. at least you can sit down with a friend and play and not have to rely on three other friends to have 3DSs. Yeah. Plus, I mean, it wasn't that long ago they put out that great Metroid game on the yeah. 3DS. That is true. Like, I'm sure I'm sure they'll still do stuff for it. It's just it'll trickle down. Um, and you know, the 3DS has such a large library now. Like if you're just getting a 3DS, there's so plenty of stuff to play, Yeah, but I'm sure it'll be just a slow, I think inevitably it's a slow death for the 3DS right now. My guess, my guess is that the focus will be on smaller things like this for price points. So the 3DS will be kind of a, you know, a cheaper yeah. system. Easy to but it's not even, that's the problem is that yeah. it's not even that much cheaper. Cause like for something like this being a full priced $50 game, like, if I actually spent money on this thing, I would be rightly cheesed off. Yeah, but I mean, like, that's 50 bucks for that versus 79 for a Switch yeah. title. Okay, yeah. that's 30 extra dollars for something that's, like, actually got, you know, stuff behind it. For sure, but I mean, like, you know, there was a time when Game Boy games were only $30 less than yeah. Super Nintendo games, you know what I mean? Good point. Yeah, and, and, and then we can get still, into the system of games now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever, but, uh, but yeah, yeah. No. well, I'm, that's a, that's a shame. I'm sorry. It's a bit of a bummer because uh, I, I even said it in my review, like the Kirby games, even even the weird little like off shoots like Kirby Mass Attack and like Canvas Curse, like they've all been of pretty high quality. It's hard to really mm-hmm. think about a bad Kirby game. And it's like, well, we got one now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, about time. There we go. Not even mm-hmm. bad. Just well, really mediocre. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's that's a shame. Mm-hmm. But hopefully, after Nintendo Direct's announcements, uh, there there's some better Kirby stuff coming yeah, down. Yeah, I mean, the pipe. we got the one on the Switch so, to look forward to. So. Yeah, that one looks. Like, All Star mm-hmm. Allies. Yeah. Is that? Yeah, yeah, that sounds yeah. exciting. That one's gonna be good. To yeah. One. I know. Back I know. There's already days of uh, Kirby Superstar, which probably was my favorite Kirby game, where like it had that multiplayer thing where you could use an ability to make like a little like two player guy, and like it was actually like one of the like enemy characters. It wasn't just like another Kirby or like the Waddle Dee or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I yeah, like the fact yeah. that they're coming mm-hmm. back with that. Mm-hmm. For sure. Well, that's good things to look forward to. Mm-hmm. And speaking of games that uh saw improvement phil you got oh to play yeah street, street fighter, fighter 5. 5 arcade yeah yeah i can do this very quickly basically like when street fighter 5 came out everyone was all like this is hardly a full game yes. so now two years later 
here's a full game. <laughs> yeah. Four yeah. new characters in a couple stages. That's, Hooray. That's pretty well it. Well, there's more than that. There's also um they added the arcade mode, which I actually like quite a bit, which is basically four like tower challenge sorry, five tower challenges each uh based on Street Fighter One, Street Fighter Two, Street Fighter Three, Street Fighter Four, Street Fighter Five. Oh, and yeah. for each tower, yeah. it was only the characters from those original games. Mm, that's pretty cool. And in and in their costumes from the original oh, games. That's that's cool. But with the current graphics. And then within that, each character has each character has their own like little ending mm. if you care about that. Mm-hmm. And every time you beat one with any character, you not only unlock that ending, you unlock some sort of original artwork or game design. Yeah, because they introduced a gallery to this. Time, exactly. Right? So there's a lot of gallery stuff. There are a couple other new modes. Um, there's like a battle mode that's for essentially for setting up couch co-op tournaments if you're interested in that. And another one that are challenges that are again sort of little incidental things that will be updated over time that you'll get, you know, some unique costumes for, some unique basically just like stuff to keep you glued to it so nothing too exciting there the arcade i didn't like the other thing i did like was they added this thing i keep wanting to say v chip but that's from south park v trigger v trigger thank you the yeah. v trigger which i which i did like and that is um it's sort of a defensive attack where you build up a v trigger power bar in addition to your special move power bar over the course of the fight and then once that happens you basically you get a counter attack that's sort of related to a specific type of attack so it allows for um big comebacks basically like if you someone's spamming you with jump kicks and your v trigger hits up and you time the v trigger right you can take out a like uh almost half their health with one counter attack oh that's cool so i think that's really good strategically um i'm sure like anything else in any fighting game people will take advantage of that and will come very annoying online very quickly but i thought that was kind of a good idea you also do get all the characters from season one and two automatically if you pick this up if you um if you already own street fighter five all the new stuff just comes automatically you get it as an update and the good news is there is still season three with more characters coming, so you do still get to give Capcom more money, oh, no matter what. So, yeah, um, yeah ultimately, that. like, I think <laughs> ultimately, like, it does adjust, it does address the problems with Street Fighter Five at launch. I just am irritated with the fact that you have to wait two years to get the full game. Yeah, um, well, it was a triple A. You, you and everybody else yeah, was super excited yeah, for it because, especially like the esports community. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And so you had to wait two years to essentially get the full game. And even now, there's still more stuff they have to suck money out of you. So I think it's just it's just frustrating because like it was a, it was an early access have. game. True. Yeah. But it was a full price early access yeah. game. Yeah. And I, I guess that's the my problem with it is mostly just the problem with the industry in general, which is that like. We shouldn't accept this. If I'm going to buy Street Fighter Five on day one, I should get Street Fighter Five. Yeah. I this, shouldn't have to wait two years and plug in an additional $40. I see. This is the perfect example of why, like, the, the Steam refund, for yeah. example, yeah. Mm-hmm. is is totally applicable. Because, mm-hmm. I, I mean, we need to see more of this from our consumer base, from the consumer base, mm-hmm. just because that's what's actually going to affect change, mm-hmm. we hope. Totally. Ideal, in the ideal world, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. But and I mean, like Capcom did get burned on this. They a lot of people really crapped all over Street Fighter Five when yeah. it came out, and deservedly so for what they put out. Had they put this out, yeah, it would have been a completely different story. True. Yeah. Which uh, makes all the more of a case for Dragon Ball Fighter Z when it finally comes out because yeah, that Fighter so Z, <laughs> it's it plays so well from like the betas yeah. that I tried, yeah. and I'm so excited to play it, and yeah. I'm not 
I haven't played a fighting game since like arcade cabinet yeah. Street Fighter. So, yeah, yeah. and I was terrible at that. Yeah, yeah. Because I was like eight. But <laughs> I used to really like um, or two. Budokai I don't really know. Two, mm-hmm. Which was like oh what yeah, this, what, yeah. What this really like kind of harkens back to after the whole like Tenkaichi spinoff happened and it got all yeah, like yeah. 3D. But like Budokai Two, oh man, we have me and my buddies used to have some some legendary fights back in the day. He yeah. always beat me. It's it's exciting to see a lot, like especially with the, the you know re, with the birth of like the esports popularity and that becoming more mainstream. That we're seeing a lot more of these like very old school and new school versions of fighting games, which is kind of an exciting thing to happen. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. On that note. I think it's time we wrap up, gentlemen. Thank you for a lovely discussion. Mm-hmm. It was all great as always. And uh, thank you, listeners, for listening. And if you like what you hear or you want to hear more about the things that we've talked about, please visit us at cgmagonline.com and subscribe to our podcast on the Bubs Podcast Network or Apple iTunes or any of your favorite podcast app. You can follow us on Facebook at CG Magazine. You can follow us on Instagram at cgmagonline. And you can follow us on Twitter at cgmagonline. Gentlemen, would you like to plug your Twitters? I'll go uh, beat Fry 26. I'm at that Phil Brown. And I'm at Ninja Jordan underscore. And I Ninja Jordan underscore. I thought it was Ninja underscore Jordan. No, it's a, no, Ninja, Ninja underscore Jordan was already taken, as was Ninja hyphen Jordan. <laughs> so I had to go oh, Ninja, so it's Jordan Ninja Jordan underscore. underscore. And I'm at Lisa Awesome with no E's. Uh, you can catch past episodes of Pixels and Ink on YouTube. So you can like and subscribe to that channel. I don't think you can like YouTube. I always say like and subscribe, I but can, I just I assume those, those I are the old you days can like YouTube. it. Well, no, you can't. You can like you can it. Like you just it. can't favorite anymore. You just anymore. can't like it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the old um, days of YouTube. Like, favorite, and subscribe. Yeah. I'm old. Anyway, thanks again to Puns Podcast Network and Comic Bento for sponsoring our podcast. And from everyone here at CG Magazine, have a great weekend. Mm-hmm.